Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. What a, uh, a great week and just a huge win for our church family and um, just seeing you come together, body of Christ, and, and uh, everybody playing their part to make it happen. And this year our theme has been reset and just the whole idea of, okay, let's reset around our identity as a church. Who are we? And we've been talking about we are the body of Christ. Every member matters. And then um, what's our calling? What, why are we here? And that whole idea of we are an outpost of heaven here to be a witness to, uh, to Christ. And, and what a great, this was, I think, a win in just that whole reality of when we come together, we can do great things. And this week, just neat seeing so many of you giving of your time, um, prayer, and reaching out, inviting friends, kids. We had, as Marcy mentioned earlier, I think around 200 kids, over 100 volunteers, many decisions for Christ. And just a, a neat picture of, of God doing his work through his church. And it was uh, fun to see the behind-the-scenes things happening, too. The week before, things like the ice machine went down, we, and we said, hey, we need an ice machine for day camp, and it would be six weeks before that would show up. Eric Lyon, who works in the, knows the business, knew someone who knew someone, he has an ice machine here the next day. Doors went down. And Dave Coleman, who has gone way up in the, uh, his vocation of doors manufacturing, but he came out here one night. I was leaving after an elder meeting, 9.30ish, and here's Dave working on doors, getting the doors up and running so we could go. The, uh, one of the great camp games is Gaga Ball, and um, if you've been to Twin Lakes, other camps, it's a staple. Well, um, this, uh, this week, several evenings, you have uh, Bryce Clendenning and uh, Eric Oliver constructed a Gaga ball pit that I think is going to be here till the second coming. It is solid and just so fun seeing kids have fun with that this week. And, but uh, just praise God for, for what he's done. And thank you for, for the part that you're playing in that as well. And today, excited to get, dig into it. We're week two of our Houston, we have a problem. And one of the things I appreciate about God's Word is it doesn't sugarcoat issues. And much of the New Testament was written into a, a problem, to, to resolve a problem that was going on in one of the churches. So we're dropping into different first century churches each week, taking a week. Today it's Philippi, and this was a church that you would say they're pretty healthy. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, helped to birth, uh, launch this church, start this church. He loved them. But at some point, someone came to him and said, in essence, Houston, we have a problem. Paul, we have a problem. And one of the problems that he writes to address is two influential women are at odds. So we have got a problem. The women are at war. And uh, well, how do we resolve this? What do we do? And we'll, uh, what's powerful about this, uh, this moment, we don't know the, the context. It doesn't go into a lot of the specifics of the problem, but what God moves him to do is to write into this conflict in a way that we can apply the truth that we receive to the conflicts of our life. And man, guys, I tell you, it is one of the most powerful uh, bits of Scripture. And I, I pray it will be well-worn for you that you'll come back to this again and again. It's, it's a go-to text, I would say, for me, probably once a month. I show up here not in a good spot, in that spot where like, Lord, I need help because my soul's a mess. And 
God uses this to, to help me through a conflict situation. And rather than leave that situation with a, a bunch of regret and broken relationships, actually we can move through conflict and experience shalom and peace that, that God created us to experience in the context of, of our uh, relationship. So the text is Philippians chapter 4, 1 to 9, familiar text for many of us. But often we uh, apply this at the personal level and personal peace level, i.e. I have anxiety and this is where I, I get inner peace. And I think that's an accurate and important application of this text, but it's not the only one. And in fact, I, I would argue the context is interpersonal peace that God desires to lead us into through the t- truth that, that he's given us in this text. And so if you would join me in Philippians chapter 4, we'll, be, we'll begin there in verse 1 where Paul writes, therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I long for, or whom I love and I long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. So you know when you come to a therefore in the Bible, it's, you ask the question, what's it there for? It's pointing back. And chapter three of Philippians is one of the most precious uh, treasuries of truth where remember Paul just talks about his one thing is to know Christ that's the goal that's the big thing and then he says it's where he says but I have not obtained this so I'm pressing on I'm gonna give everything I got to know Christ and then he says guys live as citizens of the kingdom of heaven remember this is not your home remember that we're headed for a, a place of unspeakable beauty life this is this is the pavement this is the the highway there so therefore remembering all these things he says and notice how he bookends this with love. My brothers and sisters, whom I love, and then that last little bit where he says, dear friends, that's, that's the root of that is the word agape, love. And, and it just reminds me, you can feel his love for these people. They are, um, it's family. And it just reminded me of what a gift God has given us. As we come to faith in Christ, we come into a family. It's not like some cold organization, but it's brother, it's sister, and and we're meant to do life closely together, and, and it's a love relationship that we have for each other. We talk about here at Westbridge, core DNA, five things, Jesus-focused, Bible-based, love-fueled, the love of Christ fueling us, spirit-empowered, and then unified around our mission. But notice what the command is in this, or the imperative right here in verse 1, it is stand firm in the Lord in this way. So it's interesting, as Paul um, comes to this point, it, he's about to address the conflict problem. He says, stand firm in this way. As you make the Lord your one thing, follow him, live to please him, and remember you're citizens of another kingdom. Don't budge. And, and the word he uses for stand firm is a military word which a, which a, uh, a soldier w- would take a stand when the enemy attacks and wants to throw him off, back him up, and destroy him. He says, hold your ground. So basically, he's telling us a battle's coming, and as Christians, what do we know the battle? Where, where is the enemy of our soul aiming his attack? It's disunity. It's to divide. It's to destroy. It's to rupture our relationships. It's to turn your home into hell on earth. It's to um, rupture the body of Christ so that it becomes ineffective in doing the mission. When we are divided, Jesus told us we cannot stand, and we cannot stand to do what he's called us to do here on earth. And so the enemy is aiming his artillery at disunity to work through conflict, to divide us, and to make us 
basically unable to do what God's called us to do. So he says, stand firm. So what's the problem? And that's where he gets into it right here. He says, I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche. I was thinking about, wouldn't it, I'm sure they hated being called out like their names being written out in this letter as this letter gets read to the church. But these poor two, these two ladies are like forever called out as two ladies having an issue. I wonder how many times in heaven they'll be get asked the question, hey, did you guys work that out? And what was it you were working out? But, uh, <laughs> but he's pleading with these ladies, and, and notice he pleads with both of them to be of the same mind in the Lord. So unite around the mission that, that God's given us, and, and let your union in him draw you together Love each other. Be reconciled in your relationship. Be of the same mind in the Lord. And yes, I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Notice who um, Paul's saying these women were co-workers in the cause of the gospel. What's the, it's the mission, right? It's, um, these ladies were helping us point people to Christ. And now this, this uh, division is happening and, and the mission is at stake. In essence, this is the Houston, we have a problem. Two influential women are at odds with each other. And so notice Paul's first is passion. He's, he's pleading with both of these ladies. He doesn't command them. It's interesting, he takes the relational route. It's a heart thing and just, ladies, please get along. Just you can feel the passion and, and the intensity, the importance of this. It's urgent that they do. But notice also that working through conflict is often a team event. It's when two of us are having trouble. Sometimes it's helpful for an outside person who has an uh, unbiased look or a more level-headed look at the whole situation to come along and help us work through our, our conflicts. And that's what he's asking here. He's saying, hey, the, um, to, we don't get this person's name, his true companion, but help these women to get along. When we are at conflict, and conflicts are coming, aren't they? It's part of being human. We're all in process. We hurt each other, and we are hurt. How do we get through those? Well, the reality is when we are at conflict, we are in a danger zone where we must receive the Word of God, apply it to our lives to preserve that relationship, that shalom, that unity. I heard a story this on Friday that just illustrates the, uh, the danger of disunity, and when we work through our conflicts that season, it was Chad Davis who is one of our all-in hunters. If you know Chad, he eats it, breathes it, sleeps it, takes, you know, the trips out there to hunt, and uh, he hunts around his own house. He lives out in the country, and he describes it was fall. The sun was just coming up. He's standing at his picture window looking out at his front yard, and I'll give you the visual so it'll stick, but it's kind of the funny part of the story, too. He was in his boxers, he, boxers and no just, you know, got out of bed, and he, he says he drinks milk um, out of the jug. So you can picture this guy, this hunter, drinking milk out of the jug, waking up when he sees a buck out there in his front yard. He looks at it and realizes it's a baby buck, so he doesn't want to shoot that, but the baby buck, his head snaps up, and he looks to the back and then takes off around his house. So Chad went, goes to the back of his house, looks out the back window, and to his joy, he sees two huge bucks in the field in the back locking up horns and just going at each other fighting in conflict does or went the women are running around they're fighting trying to prove manhood and they are lost in this conflict well chad puts the milk down goes running out across the gravel driveway into the barn gets his his uh bow loads the arrow 
still only in his undies. And uh, <laughs> he put some shoes on so he could walk through the bean field. But he goes, goes out there. And those two bucks were completely oblivious to the whereabouts of the hunter as they were in conflict until the arrow found its mark. The big buck is dead. I heard that story and I thought, man, what a picture of, of our lives. We come into conflict with each other and the, the other person is not the enemy. The enemy is the enemy, but when we are in conflict, it is so easy to let that conflict consume our attention, cause us to do things that we wouldn't normally do, and boom, we blow up a relationship. God gave us as a gift and, and desires unity and shalom around that peace, and yet it blows up. How do we live with peace? How do we navigate our relationships in a way that leads to peace or navigate conflict in a way that leads to peace? And in this text, God gives us five steps to take, five steps that help us experience interpersonal peace. And the first one there you see in verse four, and it's this, look up and rejoice in the Lord and rejoice in him always. Verse four, he says, uh, rejoice in the Lord always. It's an imperative I will say it again, rejoice. When we're processing conflict, what is it that owns our attention? It's, it's the conflict, and it's natural, and it's good. It's health, there's healthy emotions God gives us, even anger used in the right way to resolve that conflict. But it's interesting to me here that when we come to the conflict, it, the conflict owns our attention, and that can be a dark place where, where hurts are being uh, given, and, and we're, it's just a dark place. And here at the outset, God says, look up, look up, look up, look at me. Yodiki and Sentiki, I plead, plead with you to be of one mind in me. Now, and this guy is going to help him through, or a lady's going to help him through. Here's step one. Look up and rejoice in the Lord always, to which we say, I don't want to. I'm mad right now. <laughs> I'm hurting right now. You know when you were a little kid and you fell down and, you know, it wasn't a serious injury, but you scraped your knee, but tears are flowing and, okay, you got the Band-Aid, and then your parents are kind of like trying to get you to smile, like, okay, now, and making funny faces. I don't want to smile. Man, hurt. But then the smile starts to come. <laughs> I think the Lord here is just saying, hey, hey, look above the fray. Look above the fray and fix your eyes on me. And remember again that I am your joy. That what you have in me, no conflict can take. A joy that, that is a constant because in me you have all things in one. So again, remember again, it doesn't mean we don't deal with our emotions and we're not real with our emotions, but it means we fix our eyes on the one true thing. And that is that in him we have all things in one. We have the promise of his presence in this conflict to help us through. We have the promise of his love, whatever rejection we may be feeling in this moment and in this conflict. We have the promise of, uh, of knowing he is with us and his peace will guard our hearts through this. Rejoice in the Lord always, to which we say, even in the conflict, I would say especially in the conflict. In fact, it's interesting, Paul says it twice. It's almost as if he's like, hey, rejoice in the Lord always. We're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, rejoice. I say rejoice. It's so important. It's interesting. I, living this out, I, I found joy can be that 
neutralizing antidote that takes the, the toxin out of my soul, the bitterness, the just all that stuff that's not healthy that could cause me to do things and say things that would wreck the relationship. That joy, it's powerful to, to kind of flush out those toxins. We're called to it here. So look up, fix our eyes on the Lord, rejoice in Him. The second step that leads us into peace is to demilitarize. Let your gentleness be evident to all. So verse 5 there, he says, all right, let your gentleness be evident to all, for the Lord is near. This step is especially crucial to those of us who tend to be spewers when we get into a conflict. There are two categories, your stewers who just stonewall and, and build it up inside. It's also important because it, eventually it comes out of a, a, a stewer, but the spewer who just goes volcanic and spews all kinds of verbal stuff feels better afterwards, but it hurts the people around us. He's saying, hey, be gentle. Be gentle. Let gentleness be your mode as you navigate this conflict. I think the, the picture that came to my mind this week was of, you know, at the airport where you do the security check and you take your stuff off and you put it in the bag, it runs through the, and, uh, through the checkpoint and they have to check you. I picture it's, we're allowing the Lord to do a, a gentleness security check on us and just saying, Lord, is there anything in me that's not gentle? And he's like, yep, that uh, verbal grenade that you're getting ready to throw, you got to leave that here. The uh, toxic, condescending attitude, sniper rifle, words that you're getting ready to shoot, you got to leave that here. And, and he's so like, Lord, if there's anything that doesn't categorize in, as gentle, I'll give it to you. I'll leave it here. And isn't it interesting that he says, let your gentleness be evident to all. <laughs> He's saying, be so gentle that everybody around you can't help but notice it. As you enter these types of, uh, these conflicts, let your gentleness be evident to all, to which we say, but why? Why? Why can't I just throw in a good jab? And what he gives us the reason, because the Lord is near. The Lord is near. I think that can mean, one, he's, he's present, he is, and the person we want to jab is his child too, someone for whom he died, someone he, he loves, his daughter, his son. So don't be hitting his son, his daughter. But also, I, some scholars feel it can have an eschatological sense where the Lord is near and that his coming is near. It could, could come back anytime. And just that reminder that we have hope and he, he's coming. It could be today. But what a gift to us. Our mode in conflict is to be gentle. As we enter emotionally charged conversations and discussions, isn't it so good just to be remote? You can't go wrong with gentle, can you? <laughs> and regret often follows those, those times that we have those hard conversations when we are not gentle. But when we are gentle, rarely do we have those moments of regret. I wish I could go back and just take that back, what I said. And so... He, uh, he says, okay, first look up, second, demilitarize, third is to kneel in prayer. Verse 6, he says this, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so the question here becomes, okay, 
being real. What do I do with what I'm feeling in this conflict situation? Because I'm hurting. And I've got serious anger. I've got real rage. I've got frustration. I've got hurt from, from what may feel like betrayal or what, whatever other, or disrespect or whatever created this conflict. So what do I do with my emotions? Because they're going to come out. How do I process this? And here, God is inviting us to talk with him about it and unload on him to pray, to, to be anxious about nothing, but rather to, to come and kneel in prayer and just say, Lord, this is what I'm feeling. This is where it hurts, and I'm mad, and I'm frustrated, and I'm losing hope, and help me in this situation. And we bring our situation to him. We bring our hurt to him. And as we kneel in prayer, this is the beautiful picture. God does what only he can do. The promise here is he puts his peace outside our heart, our mind and our heart. And, and often we look at this as the inner peace, but remember, this is someone who is going to keep peace. He, he, as the peacemaker, is going to enable us to navigate a conflict in a way that doesn't rupture or destroy the relationship. Your marriage, your relationship with your son, your daughter, your, your mom, your dad, a, a, fam, a family member extended, or your church family, the peace of God is going to guard your mind and your heart so you can get through this in a way that's going to keep you one, keep you shalom, keep you united and experiencing the relationship that, that he created you to know as a gift. What a gift God has given us. Remember Paul was in prison when he wrote this, chained to a, a guard, Roman guard, and so he's seeing all this balked up weaponry around him and, and just, man, we, we've got the, as we come to the Father in prayer and just, Beg him, Lord, I need your help in this moment. <laughs> I want to run. I want to hit. I want to fight back. I want to hurt them the way they hurt me. I don't want to forgive. I want to hold on to this bitterness because they, what they did was wrong and they deserved to pay. I want to go to war. You're this close from blowing up what is most precious in your life. What's going to keep you from doing that? The peace of God. We can't do it on our own. Left to ourselves, our flesh, we will blow up every relationship God gives us with. But in Christ, <laughs> we've got his peace. Colossians 3, 16, 17, it says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Let it be the umpire. So we look to him and say, Lord, what do you want me to do in this situation? But I need you. I see our Lord in the garden of Gethsemane. And remember, when he's about to go to the cross, he prays and falls to his knees. Luke tells us he sweats drops of blood. The intensity of what's going on in his soul as a human squeezes his busting capillaries in his head. We know he sees the, the cross. He sees the wrath of God that he will suffer for us. But we know, and we know he says, not my will, but your will be done. But we know he prayed for some time. The disciples had a chance to fall asleep. And I think part of what he prayed was just ex uh, unloading his emotion on his father, saying, because he's, he's a human, he's a man, 33 years old, testosterone flowing through his blood, and he's about to get mocked and shamed. The perfect human is about to get rejected and feel betrayal and all these things. And I think he's unloading on his father, saying, help me. Help me. 
He's going to go win our peace, but to win, a, win that peace, he's going to have to not hit back. He's going to have to forgive every step of the way. He's going to fill that righteous anger just well up in his soul, and I can't imagine, we can't even go there. Well, what he must have felt, what he ran through, but he did it for us, and he calls us, this is the way, on your knees is the way to live at peace. And then the fourth step that, that helps us navigate conflict says, okay, you're looking up, your joy is in me, you're, uh, you're, you're kneeling in prayer, you've demilitarized, you're gentle, now let's go to the mind, let's think right. How do we get through this? He says, finally, brothers and sisters, in verse 8, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So the fourth step is to think right. Now, when you're in conflict, what owns your thoughts? It's the conflict, right? It's that you're thinking about that, and what can often happen is you think about evil that's been done to you or whatever has created this conflict is, you take it a little bit of truth and you begin to write a false narrative. All these what ifs. You, you run down the road of, of what ifs. And what are you thinking towards that other person who hurt you in a, in a conflict? What's the primary thing is you think about that person. It's their one negative quality or a negative quality that created this conflict. So this person could have a thousand and one positive qualities, but when you think about them, you think about maybe who you're in conflict right now or conflict brewing. When that person comes to your mind, what, what do you think immediately? It's that one thing about them. You know, just there it is. When this person has all these good qualities and so what, what's the Lord calling us to do? Saying, okay, think about what is true. Do not allow, monitor your thinking. Do not allow your mind to run down false narratives. The enemy is there. God is not. So think about what is true. And second, he says, think about whatever is noble about that other person. But I don't want to. So important. See, not just this person's, and you have to deal with that issue, but, but see the 101 things that are good about this person. And even begin to list them out. Think about that. When you think about that person, train your mind to, to go, okay, I'm, before I think about this negative, here's 10 things I, I appreciate about this person. And then third, he says, whatever, think about whatever is right. Guys, it is scary what we can rationalize as right in the midst of a conflict, isn't it? But when the rage is there, when the anger is there, when the hurt is there, things that, given a normal situation, when it's sunny and everybody's happy, you'd be like, that is so wrong to do that. But when we've been hurt by that person and we want to hurt back, things begin to enter our mind that would never have entered our mind that are clearly wrong. God has said in his word, this is this is wrong. This will lead to, this will destroy your relationship here, your relationship with others, and it will destroy you. But we're just like so, mm, I might go do this. Man, the battle's right here, isn't it? It's fought right here, guys. And what a gift God's given us. He's come back to this. Okay, what is true? What is noble? What is right? Think about these things. 
We train our minds, and God helps us in this. The uh, Think right. And then he leads the last one. And isn't it interesting, before this last one, we move into action, but the first four steps here are all internal. Before we enter a reconciliation process with another person, the, the biggest work is getting ourselves right, isn't it? And, but now we're ready. It says in the last step here is do right. Whatever, verse 9, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me. And earlier in chapter 3, Paul's like, follow me as I follow Christ. The idea of um, my one thing is to know Christ, to follow him, to please him, and to live as a citizen of another country. So he's summing all that up again, saying, okay, all these things. Now, and you could sum it up by saying a life of love. Put this into practice. Put this into practice, he says. And the God of peace will be with you. So this last step is where we're called to action. We're called to pursue reconciliation when there's a, a conflict. We're called to, to pursue unity, to offer forgiveness, to, to give forgiveness, to, uh, to yank out that root of bitterness, to love the people around us, the people who hurt us the way that Christ loves us. To which we say, but, but this is really hard. I don't want to go deal with this conflict. How many people enjoy conflict? Conflict, root canal. Right up there together, aren't they? <laughs> but I think the enemy of our soul uses that. He doesn't want us stepping in. It takes courage. It takes guts. But don't you love the promise that God gives us here at the end? And, and I would encourage you, when, whenever you feel that resistance, like I don't, I'm not sure I want to actually get into the conversation, he says, the God of peace will be with you. We don't resolve this on our own, but when we step into it, we are stepping into his will, and it is his desire that our relationships are one, are unified, are shalom for his glory. So when we do step into that situation, you know one thing, God himself is walking with you into that situation, and he is the God of the impossible. He is the God who can make a relationship that we thought could never be made right, right. He is the God who can break a heart, melt a heart, change a heart. It's a God that can do it, right? And the hope out of this text just explodes. So Paul says, do this, do this, do this. A couple of weeks ago, I heard a, a church, that their, uh, the title for their message series was Church Hurts. Like, yeah, it does. I wish it didn't, but it does. Why? Because relationships hurt, don't they? I wish they didn't, but they do. One of the reasons I can't wait to get to heaven when we stop hurting the people we love the most. But as followers of Jesus, when those hurts come and those conflicts come, we can and we must pursue unity. And the, the gift that God has given us in his word, through his spirit, and in the gift of his body as we help each other, is that we can work through our conflicts and come out on the other side even closer for his glory. And our conflicts are no longer something that we dread. Rather, they're something that we, we walk through together with his help, knowing that we're going to get to the other side of this. And when we do, we'll be closer. He will be glorified. And a watching world is going to see a supernatural love displayed. Amen. I plead with Euodia. I plead with Syntyche. 
And I plead with you today, be of the same mind in the Lord. Today, if there's a conflict that's come to your mind, a conflict that's brewing in your life, and God has been whispering, this is you, may may I encourage you to take this path and, and apply it. Be of the same mind. Pursue unity in the Lord Maybe you don't have a, a pressing conflict, and if not, may I encourage you to, to just ask, Lord, is there, if there's one around me, I'm in to help be a peacemaker, and where there's disunity, to step in and, and play a part that God's given you to play. I think what a gift God has given to us in this text, and just to say it again, this is a lifeline text for me. I hope it becomes a well-worn part of your Bible, and I know I'm in it probably at least once a month. As I mentioned earlier, usually not in a good place, <laughs> but uh, in a place where I, I just need God to do what only he can do to help me and help a relationship. But he is so faithful. And in that first step, he just says, John, look up, look up, look up. I don't want to. I'm ticked, mad. John, look here, look here. Let's lock eyes. Remember what you have in me. <laughs> you're forever alive. You're forever free. You're eternally loved. You're eternally safe. You have a home. This isn't your home. This is these skirmishes down here. Don't get caught up in them. Look at me. And, I, and you have me in this moment. And having me, you have all things in one. And John, that grenade that you're holding right now that you want to throw, give it to me. <laughs> give it to me. All right. And, and John, let's, let's step aside over here in this room and let's just talk. Grab a coffee and tell me how you're feeling. How I'm feeling is not pretty. Okay, tell me. Nope, 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 that was too churchy. Tell me how you really feel. Let the tears flow. Need to punch a pillow? I got one here. I was human too. I know what it feels like. Punch the pillow. Now let my peace guard your heart. Now let's talk about your thinking here because the war is going to be won in your mind. Don't let the enemy get you running down a false narrative or focused on this person's one negative or tempted to do something really wrong that you're going to regret. Blow up your relational world. Leave your life a graveyard of regret and relationships. Think about what is right noble what is true now you're ready let's go reconcile Lord this person I'll be with you (laughs) the God of peace I'll be with you and our God does what only he can do as we're faithful to apply his word to our lives amen amen let's pray father we thank you for your word to us today thank you for the peace that we have with you but also the peace that you died to give us and with each other. And yet, Lord, we feel the, what Euodiki and Syntyche felt is, as there were hurts and disunity and, and we feel the enemy attacking us in these areas and we need your help. And so I pray today, Father, through your word that you would just empower us and guide us, direct us, set us free to follow you. 
pray for my brothers and sisters here today, and I'm sure we all have a, a conflict in our lives that we could look at, and we just need your help with, Lord. And I pray that uh, the enemy would not win the fight, but that by your power, through your peace, that, that we would be one. You would help us to step into the shalom that you created us to enjoy for your glory for our joy and the good of those around us. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.